But uh, if you were here last Sunday, well, the last several weeks have been in this series we call in, we're calling Stay Faithful. And Phil kind of set that up a little bit. It's just in situations, circumstances that are complicated or difficult, how do we as believers stay faithful? And we, uh, last week we started talking about the Old Testament book of Daniel, kind of kicked that off. And the story of Daniel, for a lot of us that maybe if you grew up in church, you may be familiar with the story of Daniel. And you think about Daniel in the lion's den, which is a great it's a great scripture, a great story about faith and God's provision and protection and all that sort of, sort of things. But uh, there's so much more to the book of Daniel than just that story. And, and last week I, I gave you two big points that if we're going to overcome the, uh, you know, the pressure, I guess, to, to feel like we're a victim of circumstances or we're just a victim of whatever in our life, there's two things that we've got to do. You've got to know your identity and you've got to know your disciplines, and that's who Daniel was, and, and, uh, and we see that. He took a stand, and God took care of him and blessed him with wisdom. But, but even though God took care of him, he still was not in the greatest of circumstances. And that's so vital for us to know because this is where a lot of our faith falls apart. I've seen a lot of people, it just breaks apart on these rocks where we think, I'm taking the right steps for the Lord. I'm, I'm doing the things that I know that God wants me to do. And yet my life doesn't do a 180. Things don't go exactly the way that I think they should go. You know, I still face hard times. I still have some difficulty. So does God not care? Does he not see me? Or is he not, you know, what's going on? And and we kind of, we lose a a little bit of something there. And we're never, you got to know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but we forget this. We are never promised anywhere in Scripture that life is going to be easy. It's just not a promise. We're not promised that that life is just going to be sunshine and and roses and rainbows and unicorns all the time. But when was the last time that something that was worthwhile was also easy? We're we're not promised ease. We're not promised, you know, just safety all the way to heaven. But we are promised purpose and hope and, and, and that God will be with us. He'll never leave us to fend for ourselves. We have the promise of his presence which is more than what we need. I love Psalm 16 that captures what the promise of God looks like for our lives. You know, we, 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 get, this, we get this idea and maybe it's, it's been kind of implanted by, you know, some weird little spiritual, what, you know, some false teacher or some false gospel or something that we, we get the idea that if I follow Jesus, I take the right steps and everything's gonna be great and that's just not true. Jesus himself said, If I had trouble, you're going to have trouble. But I love Psalm 16 and what the promise is there. And I love how the message version paraphrases it. It says, day and night, I'll stick with God. I've got a good thing going and I'm not letting go. I'm happy from the inside out and from the outside in, I'm firmly formed. I really like that. If I I had a title for this message, I think that's what it would be. How, How can we be firmly formed? He says, you canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. You've got my feet on the life path all radiant from the shining of your face. And ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right way. Life may not be easy. There's going to be be difficult seasons, difficult, difficult weeks and months and years. But when was the last time that the easy way was the best way? Anything in life that's going to be worth it is is going to be a fight for it. And I'm fully convinced that God has each one of us on a journey. 
And he is much more concerned with who you're becoming than he is about just happiness in the moment. About 10 years ago or so, uh, I was in Haiti. It was right after the, the big earthquake that was in Port-au-Prince, which is the largest city there. You wouldn't believe the, the population. There. People are just packed in. It's crazy, crazy uh, how many people live there. And, uh, and living in the streets. But in Port-au-Prince, there was a huge earthquake and 200,000 people were killed. I mean, just right then and there. It's just unbelievable tragedy. And so we were, in the, we were driving through the city and I'm, uh, I'm in the front of this old pickup truck. As we're driving through the s- streets and just, you know, just see devastation everywhere. And, and I'm, I'm talking to this missionary who's from, he's from the United States. And I, and I made, you know, we're talking about what he's doing and all this sort of stuff. And I made a comment. I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of, man, I'm so grateful for, you know, you being here. And, and you know, I, I can't imagine the kind of sacrifices that you've made to be here and, you know, and, and what you're doing. And I will not forget what he said. He, he just kind of paused and he said, you know, one of the things that I've learned in my life is that and, and the way that I'm formed what God is you know, wants to do with me is, I just don't think that God has made me just to be, you know, happy-go-lucky and everything's just wonderful and cozy and comfortable all the time. He's made me for a purpose. Part of that's to serve. And, and if I'm going to be any help to anybody anywhere, it's not going to be comfortable. Comfort's not, the, not where we're going to find it. And I, I think about that a lot. You know, how could we be like that? If we're going to be firmly formed, that has to do with perseverance and faith and just the ability to, to stay faithful in difficulty, to not be moved, to not, to not be shaken. You know, now, that doesn't mean that all of us are called to, to go be missionaries or sell everything and move to a third world country, but it, it does mean that we shouldn't be looking for the path of least resistance all the time. And we shouldn't be surprised when it seems that God's going to walk us through a challenging season. We, we see this in Daniel's life. He's, even though God is blessing him and he's, he's staying faithful, he's still a captive in a foreign land. His homeland has been totally plundered and, and he's been kidnapped, he and some of his friends, and they're trying to re-educate them to, to become, you know, to, to forget who he is and to forget who his God is and all those things. We talked about King Nebuchadnezzar last week, what an evil king and what an evil person that he really was and he's trying to get these 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 guys he's training them over three years to to forget everything to forget their history and fully embrace the babylonian way of life and then one day in in chapter two of the book of daniel it says that this evil king had a really strange dream and so he has all these he surrounded himself with all these magicians and sorcerers and mind readers, whatever they are, you know, astrologists, and, and he's got, he got these really weird and, and supernatural spiritual things that he's into, which as a side note, I think is really interesting because, you know, not that much just change, changes through history. There may be a lot of people that say, you know, I don't know that I buy this Jesus stuff. I, I don't know that I would call myself a Christian or I, I'm definitely not a church kind of person, but you know, there's just something within us that just is, seems to be kind of, we lean in to spiritual things. And we can kind of get off on a weird little side road real quickly, but I, I think about people that say, oh, I don't believe in God, but boy, I sure check out my horoscopes every week. 
You know, I, I don't know that I believe in Jesus, but man, I, oh, the tarot cards, that's, oh, that's real, you know. It's just like we're into it. We, we, we want, want to know that there's something out there that's, you know, beyond us. And it's, take those weird little turns. But this guy, he's, he's into all this. He's got these mind readers, these astrologers and, and, and different things. He says, I've had this weird dream, and I want one of you to interpret it for me. He said, but so that I know that you're not lying and you're not making anything up, I'm not going to tell you what my dream was. You, you're a mind reader. You tell me what I dreamed and then you interpret it. In verse 5, it says that the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you're going to be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. Just as they respond in verse 7, it says they said, well, please, your majesty, why don't you tell us the dream first, and, and, and then we'll, we'll tell you what it means. You see, they're kind of bargaining here, like, please don't rip us to shreds. Uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. And the king replies, I, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know that I'm serious when I say that if you don't tell me what the dream is, you're doomed. So you've conspired to tell me lies Hoping I'll change my mind. See the light bulb's coming on for him a little bit. He's realizing these they're frauds. He says, tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. So they're, they're in a little bit of a pickle here. The king, the king wants to know the meaning of his dream, but he says, I'm not going to tell you what the dream was. And, uh, you know, you see some of these so-called mind readers and psychics today. These people that want to read your palm or, you know, use... Uh, tarot cards or something like that you remember a few years ago this this is going to date this is going to date me and some of us but do you remember the commercials that were on like every 15 seconds for miss cleo <laughs> call me now yeah you, you guys remember some of you remember that and and these people they're they're frauds at best they're into some weird demonic stuff at worst you know, it's, it's just, it's just the, these, these magicians and astrologers with King Nebuchadnezzar, they're frauds. And the next verses, it, it says that they said to the king, Well, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. Your demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they don't live here among people. Now, the king was furious when he heard this. And he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. So here's the deal. You want to talk about an unfair situation. This is it. Daniel and his three friends, they're just trying to mind their own business. Uh, They've had their homeland plundered. They were kidnapped, they, they were held hostage, and, and now they get this news, hey, guess what, the king is mad because these magicians or whatever, they, they can't read his mind, and so now you guys are going to die. See, pause there for, for a moment. Let me, let me ask a really hard question. You put yourself in, in Daniel's shoes. This is, this is just not fair. It's just bad. Everything's been taken from you. You're just trying to stay faithful to the Lord. You're holding on by your fingertips. Why, and, and now, you know, you, the world is an unfair and cruel place, and now you find out you're going to die. Why would God allow him to be in that position in the first place? Why, why, is, why is God allowing that for him? Why would Daniel have to face that scenario at all? 
Now, let's make the question a little bit harder. Why does God allow you to go through scenarios similar to that? Why, why do you have to go through unfair, cruel things? Why, why would we be there? You see, this is the heart of people who are struggling to, to hang on to their faith. Why, why would God let this happen? You know, why would we be going through this? You know, it's one thing if I have a flat tire or it rains on my birthday, but it's another thing when my kid is sick or I've had to have a surgery to repair something and now that's not working the way it should, so now I've got to have another surgery and another and another. And it's, I'm looking at months or maybe years of recovery to hopefully get back to some place that I want to be. And, you know, why, why any of this? Why am I going through that? You know, or maybe your boss decides they don't like you for whatever reason, they're going to let you go. It's unfair, it's not right. But, but, but why would we be there to begin with? Here's what I want to say, and we'll, we'll unpack this a little bit. This series that we're, that we're in, we're talking about what it means to stay faithful. It doesn't mean easy. It's usually not easy. But this is the truth that is so, so important, is that faith obeys in spite of what it sees. Faith always obeys. We always understand that God is at work Somewhere, even though I don't see what he's doing, even though it doesn't make sense to me, I know and I trust that he's doing something and he's working everything out for my good somehow. Daniel just got the news, you and your friends are going to die because the king's mad and his greedy magicians, you know, they're frauds and, and they're phonies. What's the very next thing? What do you think? If you're Daniel, what's the first thing you would do? Maybe you, 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 know, you, you want to go in a corner and cry or something. But it says in verse 16 that Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. So he's thinking, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to work in this situation. I have no idea what you're getting ready to do. But I, I trust that you are going to do something, that you, you've got a plan here, and, and I'm trusting that. And then in verse 17, I think this is the most powerful verse in the chapter. It says that then Daniel went home, and he told his friends, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, which we know him, you may know him as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They told them what had happened, and he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. First thing Daniel does, he, he didn't go and, you know, fall, you know, cry himself into a big puddle or go rock back and forth in a corner. He doesn't get angry with God and say, you know what, that's fine, God. You know what, this is what you've done and this is what you've allowed and this is what keeps happening, fine, I'm done with you. I'm not going to worship you anymore. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to, I'm going to be angry. You know, I don't want to hear anything more about God. You know, let's be honest. That's what many of us might do. I counsel with people regularly that are doing that right now. See, you know, I've, I keep bumping up against this stuff and things keep happening to me. And so, you know, I'm just blaming God for all this. He could stop it. He didn't. So I'm angry at him. I don't even want to talk about God. It may not, that's not to take away from the pain that you might feel or the fear or the difficult decisions. But for many of us, our very first reaction, our very first reaction is to be angry at God. Not even angry at the situation, we're just angry at Him because, because it's happening. 
What did Daniel do? He did two really important things. First, he went and talked to his friends. And then he asked them to be praying about it with him. He, had, he was surrounded by the right people. He was surrounded by faithful men that loved him and loved the Lord. And, and let me ask you this. Who is in your corner when life's falling apart? Who's there for you? When, when you? when you have trouble, who do you call? Who, who do you go visit? Who's the first person that comes to mind? You think, man, I need to talk to somebody about this. I'm going to call so-and-so. We, we've got to have people that we can rely on. Who are the faithful followers of Jesus that you surround yourself with that are encouraging you and you know that when they say they're praying for you, it's not just little praying hand emojis, that they're actually praying for you. I think, I think there are very few of us that have that. I think we have friends, we have people that we talk to, and when something happens, you know, you know, my spouse did something that I'm unhappy with, and so I'm going to run off to this person and kind of complain, and they'll complain, and we just sort of have this little complain session together. We have that. It's not a positive thing. It's not doing anything. But, boy, it feels, sure feels good to just have somebody to gripe with a little bit. I think we've all got people like that in our lives. You know, just, it's just that toxic, you know, back and forth, whatever. But who are the people that, that you know, when, when, when you come home and, and your kid, there's something going on with your kid or something going on in your marriage or something going on with your job or whatever, you just, you've taken a hit. Who's the person that you can call on that's going to be encouraging? It's going to say, you know, I don't know what God's doing in this, but let's pray about it together. I think there are very few of us that have that. And this is what's true. And, and life is going to be hard. It's going to throw curveballs. But we are strongest when we stand together. You are always, always, always stronger when you've got somebody in your corner. You've got somebody at your back or your side. That's why God gave us the church. It's because nobody walks alone. That's why I, I won't get into a rant too bad, but this is why I, I really have a strong dislike for online church. I won't say I hate it because that's not, <laughs> my, mama, my mama said, no, we don't hate, we don't say hate. But I have a very strong dislike, you know, if you're sick or you're traveling or whatever, or you're new to the church, you're checking, that's one thing. But what online church does is it drives us to isolation. It drives us right back to isolation. The devil loves it when you're isolated. He can draw you out away from other believers. He can, he can have all the fun he wants with you there. He gets in your mind. But we're strongest when we stand together. Why does God allow hard seasons? You know, there's a big difference between God just being able to do something in your life and God wanting to do something in our life. And, and no matter what the circumstances look like, in your world, we believe that. We believe that God is able to do something, but more importantly, we know that God wants to do something in your life. And for some of you in the last month, maybe you've left the doctor's office with a diagnosis that just knocks the wind out of you. Uh, what do we do? What do we do in those moments? Well, we trust God. We trust him. So I don't know where we're going here, but I'm going to trust you regardless. And the second thing we do is our faith has to rise in those situations. We can't be defeated. We can't, you know, fall on the floor. We boldly ask, like Daniel asks, God, show us your mercy. Show it to us. 
I want to see it. We know that you're able. We're asking you to move on our behalf. And, and what God actually does, that's up to him. You know, he's God and, and I'm not. But, but he's called us to pray and he's called us to believe and to pray bold prayers of faith. And so maybe some of you are looking at a dangerously low checking account. What do you do? What do you do when it's like, oh, man, I've got such a, you know, I'm just very, very few funds available. What do you do? Well, number one thing you do, you sell the boat. That's, that's the first thing. Or sell the truck that you don't have the payments anymore. That'd be a good thing. And the second thing that you do then is you get a job. Any job will do. They're all over the place. That'll help. And thirdly, you believe and you trust that with everything in your heart that God is willing and able to be our provider. I'm going to take the right steps. I'm going to do the things I need to do. And I'm going to trust that he's going to supply all of my needs and help me. And maybe you've got a relationship that's absolutely fallen apart. There's been some broken trust, some unfaithfulness. Uh, you say, I- I'm never going to trust this person ever again. What do I do? What do I do? Well, you know, maybe, maybe in, in your situation you say, I-, I need some friends, some believers that can help to give me wise counsel, that can be praying for me. And, and then I-, I go before God and say, you know, I know that you have the ability and that you're willing to restore and, and forgive. And you're going to help me to do that as well. You pray and you find the people that help you. You pray and you find people that will stand alongside you because we're strongest when we stand together. But most of us don't have that. Most of us, you know, as, a, as adults, boy, isn't it so hard to make friends? When you're a kid, it was easy. You meet somebody for the first time on the playground and you're best buddies in five minutes. As adults, it's, it's so much more complicated than that. And, uh, you know, you might say, I, I don't know anybody. I don't have any coworkers or buddies or anybody that, that's a believer. You know, we want to, how, how can we as a church give you that opportunity? How can we help you make those connections so that you can learn and grow together with other people? Well, one thing that we're, we're going to offer starting February 20th is we're going to be launching a 10-week spiritual formation experience called Rooted. And I can't say enough good about this, about what this study is and what the potential it has for your life. This is what we say about it, is is Rooted is designed to connect you with God, the church, and your purpose in unexpected and life-changing ways. It's a catalyst for life change. It provokes questions, conversations, and group experiences that are designed to help us find ourselves in God's story. And we really want everybody to, to experience that and, and to see what it's like. Because it, it, it redefines how people live life and their, their view and their relationship of God, w- with God. And what that, what that all looks like. And, and with others. And to give us context of being a part of something bigger than just ourselves. It's not just about me, but it's about what God is doing around me. You begin to see God in new ways, and you, you understand what it looks like to follow him faithfully, and what is he calling me to, and, and, and you'll experience uh, community and authenticity and generosity. We want you to be part of that. And these groups are going to meet on Sunday mornings. We try to pick the most convenient time, you know, so that you can go to, you can go to a service, and you can go uh, be part of a rooted group. And, and you'll get to know a handful of people. That's, the whole, that's part of the purpose is that I get to know some other people that are part of Fairdale Christian Church and you grow alongside them. 
But you gotta, you've got to sign up and let us know that you want to be a part of this. Uh, because so that we can be prepared for you. And you can do that in a couple of ways. One, if you just you know, want to check it out online later and read more, you can, you can find all the information on our website. If you go to fairydalechristian.org, right on the main page, scroll down just a little bit, and you'll see information there. You can read a little more about it and click on some links and all that kind of stuff. But if you're, if you're here and you're a little bit tech-savvy, you can take your bulletin card. Hopefully you agreed or gave you one of these as you came in. And you see the rooted graphic there. Uh, and there's a little QR code. If you just take your smartphone and open up your camera and point it there, it'll take you, it'll take you directly there. I was never a QR code kind of guy. Uh, but, you know, with COVID, a lot of restaurants have gone to that with their menu. So I've gotten pretty good at uh, using QR codes. So if you, if you use your smartphone on that with your camera, it'll take you right there. But the third thing you can do, if you say, I just have some questions about that or want to know a little bit more or you just want us to talk you into it because you're on the fence and you, you need to just jump in and do it, you can go to the Next Steps area and one of our Next Steps volunteers will be able to answer questions about it give you the information or get you signed up but the main thing is we want you to be part of it it's like the, one of the number one complaints that I hear from people I don't know if it's a complaint or just a whatever maybe it's an admission but it's just like ah I just I just feel like I can't get to know anybody how do you get to know anybody how do I get involved how do I... here's a great starting place <laughs> Sign up for Rooted. That'd be a great place to get some no, to know some people and, and, and find, okay, these are, these are my people. These are people that I know I can call on when I'm having some difficult time. Or I'm going to offer it up. I'm going to let them call me. You know, if we never go through anything difficult, if all we want is easy, then how will we ever be able to help anybody else? It's so important. We can never overlook the importance of standing together with other believers because Satan wants to draw you out, man. He wants to isolate you. And he's going to use whatever excuse he can. You want to blame it on COVID? You want to blame it on snow? You want to blame it on busyness? You want to bl- blame it on whatever. You, we, we've, got all, we've, we've got a never-ending list of excuses that the devil wants to use to isolate you and to screw with, with your life and, and your marriage and your mind and everything else. That's what he wants to do. We can't, we can't just give up. The best defense is to surround yourself with the right people. And Daniel, he found himself in this terrible situation. He goes straight to his friends. And he says, pray with me about this. And verse 19 says that that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven. There's a whole lot more to that story. I'd encourage you to go back and read chapter 2 today to just see what what the interpretation was and how all that worked out it's it's a pretty cool thing but uh but i don't have time to get into all that today but i I will let i will close with this i read this fascinating article this past week about the dead sea scrolls and maybe you maybe you know about what those are but the dead sea scrolls are the most likely the most important archaeological discovery of the 20th century and back in 1947 it was a shepherd boy uh, that was looking for a, a lost goat around some caves uh, near the Dead Sea. And as he's trying, he, there's all these caves, and so he, he thought, well, maybe the goat's in one of those caves. So he took a rock, and he threw it up in one of the caves, thinking that the goat would run out. And when he threw the rock, he heard uh, the sound of some b- pottery breaking. 
So we went to check it out. It's actually a clay pot that contained a scroll. And there were, there were many clay pots there, many, many scrolls that were hidden there. Turns out he had just discovered an ancient Jewish library that contained the most ancient manuscripts of the Old Testament, including Daniel, the book of Daniel was, was among them. And what I didn't realize is I've, I've heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I knew that they were really important to, you know, validating Scripture and, and all those sort of things. But what I didn't know is that there are a lot of other manuscripts in there, not just, not just Scripture. There were books of Jewish history, and there were hymns and prayers and commentaries, or like study books on these different books of, of the Old Testament. And, uh, and I wanted to share that because I thought it was so fascinating. What struck me, there was an ancient commentary from the scrolls on the Old Testament book of Nahum. And in it, the author calls his enemies the seekers of the smooth things. His critique of his enemies is that these guys, they don't want to take the hard road and they don't want to take the high road. They're the seekers of the smooth things. They want the easy way out. And that, because they were like that, that put them in opposition to God. If we're to stay faithful in good seasons and hard seasons, we cannot be people who always look for the smooth ways. We can't be looking for the easy route uh, and and smooth sailing. We must understand that often God will lead us through valleys and he will lead us through rocky places in order to develop us, to lead us where he desires us to go. What kind of a testimony would it be if, if our story was just, yeah, I was born into privilege and I lived a privileged, easy life and never had any struggle at all and just had it all. I mean, we, we would be soft. We'd be soft. How would we ever be of any help to anyone else ever if that was our story? It's just all easy. Sometimes God wants us to to get a little grit. To to be a little bit stronger, a little bit tougher. And understand our purpose and who he's called us to be. No matter what you're facing today, I hope that you'll be encouraged like Daniel. In the face of daunting circumstances, I will stand strong. I will stay faithful. And I will find those that can stand with me. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for for always being with us. I know that life is challenging and we we go through lots of of struggle. But you're the constant. And you've never left us. You never will. I pray for every, every person in here that you would help us to, to identify someone else that, that, can, that can stand in our corner. Somebody that loves us and that loves you that we can then lean on and rely on. That's going to help in those moments where we're doubting, where we're feeling weak, that they just keep pointing us back. I know that we're stronger when we have that. Lord, I pray for those today that are in this room And they're surrounded by people, and yet they feel completely alone. I pray for that person that you would would remind them, that you would speak to their heart and remind them that, that you're with them and that they have a church family, brothers and sisters that are here right now. Help us to, help us to open up. Help us, Lord, to take the risk. 
to invite somebody else into our life so that we can have uh, that support and the strength that we need. Thank you for who you are and for never abandoning, abandoning us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.